This is Converge, a podcast from Convera. Come with us as we shape the future of finance. Welcome back to another Converge Market Update. Very delighted to have Boris Kovacevic with me again. Uh, Boris, uh, welcome. Good to have you back. Let's start with a, a recap of 2023 for our listeners. I'm sure many would like to hear your thoughts on how things played out. Put on your macro hat for a little bit and look back at the last 12 months. Which events and narratives would you say have shaped the global economy and markets the most? Yeah. Hi, Alex. Pleasure to be back. So, I think that every year following the pandemic has really been extremely eventful and therefore hard to predict. And the same held true for 2023 as well. Because looking back at our publications, it, it wasn't really difficult finding markets significant events last year. For example, the year began with China ending its three-year-long lockdown phase. We almost had a regional banking crisis in the US in March. The WHO declared the end of the global health emergency. Central banks delivered their final rate hike. And lastly, and unfortunately for us, a war broke out in the Middle East. So these, I think, for us were the events that really shaped the financial year. From a more regional perspective, I would say in general, Europe and China continued to suffer from this high interest rates regime and also the pro-cyclical slowdown of international trade, which I would say explains to a certain extent their underperformance versus expectations. The US economy, on the other hand, really defied all the calls of a recession and has been backed for the last couple of months by not only a tight labor market, but I would say also really strong consumer spending. So in summary then, was it the year of the US above all else in that sense? I think that would be fair to say yes. Um, the US outperformance did shape the global economy and financial markets quite a bit. But as I said before, from a global perspective, it was also the year of peaking yields. It was the year of the return to healthcare normality, but also the rise of these geopolitical tensions that we have been mentioning over the last couple of months. So, so on the topic of geopolitics, you mentioned the ongoing turmoil in the Middle East and now the Red Sea as well. And I can recall from one of our last conversations, you said that geopolitics, while it's important, is not something that influences markets in a sustained way. So the question I have is, is this going to hold true for 2024? Or do you see something changing now this year? Mm -hmm. So I would say the relationship between geopolitics and financial markets is a difficult one. Because as you pointed out correctly, on average, geopolitical shocks get absorbed reasonably well by markets, especially in an environment in which monetary policy is really expected to be more accommodative like in 2024. We have still named geopolitics, as you know, as one of our main risks for the year ahead in our yearly outlook, just because while markets can deal with these individual events, the same does not hold true for the economies impacted by these events. So it matters from a macro perspective. And secondly, I would say the combination of these individual events can really create a bigger narrative that impacts markets as well. And the bigger narrative for us right now is the measurable and also the quantifiable risk of these global tensions. Some stats and numbers we always point out to kind of put this into perspective. Internationalized conflicts have increased ninefold since 2004, 
And drone strikes have increased by around 50% just over the last five years. And on the economic side, trade concerns raised in the Council for Trade in Goods at the WTO have risen from just five per meeting in 2015 to now 45 in 2022. And against this backdrop of you know rising tensions, we will get national elections in more than 60 countries, representing about half of the world's population in 2024. So the geopolitics and these trade tensions will continue to matter for us. Interesting insights and also quite concerning trends you've noted there. Uh, plays to thoughts of a lot of volatility and turmoil. So so where do the U.S. and China fit into this story as the two largest economies in the world, in your view? So they fit in quite nicely because I, I think the economic rise of China in the 21st century and more broadly, its aggressive stance on kind of the global political stage have really moved us closer to a bipolar world. And the war in Ukraine has also been a prime example of the split that is forming between different groups of countries. So the conclusion for us, the natural one, is that this politically driven markets and macro volatility will be something to watch out for in 2024. And especially given that uh, economic dependencies have just been strengthened by this globalization wave over the last 30 years. And they've really intertwined the two spheres of politics and economics, which in a sense, again, explains, for example, why the property crisis in China and just in general, the underperformance of the country in 2023 had such an effect on not only the European continent, but more uh, generally on Germany as well. And it also explains on the other side of the spectrum, the outperformance of countries like Mexico, for example, that have really benefited from the de-risking um, and also near-shoring of U.S. activity and of U.S. companies. So we can see the effect of this shift already play out. And with Taiwan voting on the upcoming weekend uh, at a time when the world has never been as dependent on Taiwanese exports uh, as now, and also with European and U.S. elections coming up, this topic will stay with us, I think, during the whole year. So staying on the topic of Germany, what is your team's outlook on Europe's largest economy? Are we already in a recession and is a recovery expected this year? Yeah, so Germany has most likely already fallen into recession in Q4. And we don't really see 2024 to be kind of meaningfully different than the previous year. Because back in August, I think, we wrote a piece for Macrobond on now casting German industrial production. And we explained why we are really bearish on the short-term outlook that still remained heavily tilted towards the downside. And since then, since August, production did fall every single month and is now down around 15% from its pre-pandemic level. The number of unemployed people as well has risen for 11 consecutive months now, which is the longest streak of rising unemployment since 2005. I would say on a more positive note, some leading indicators have started turning up again, uh, which could signal at least the bottoming of this decelerating growth trend. Even though they are coming off extremely low historical levels, so it's still, I would say, early to say how much growth is in the cards for 2024. Um, and given how pessimistic everyone has become on Europe, a potential outperformance on falling interest rates could even be seen as kind of an upside risk to the consensus. However, for this to play out, again, 
the US and, and China and also geopolitics will play a part in it. And for this upside scenario to materialize, again, we would have to see upward momentum from the US and from China that are, of course, Germany's two biggest trading partners. So, so still a subdued growth outlook for Germany. What about the United States then? So the US is, I would say, a bit of a mixed bag in my opinion, uh, because as we said in the beginning, the US economy really defied all expectations last year of a deceleration and forecasting a recession has really been a lost cause over the last couple of months. And I would say mainly due to, again, strong households and this tight labor market but also because of the large fiscal deficits the government ran during fiscal 2023, which doubled from the year prior to more than 7% of GDP. And I think that is a point that often gets overlooked. And it is the reason, I would say these three points that we mentioned, is the reason for why we expect full year real GDP growth for 2023 to come in around 2.5%, which is materially better than the 1.9% recorded in 2022. But going forward and kind of looking beyond the short term and looking at 2024 in general, we do continue to see a slowdown in the labor market because we are seeing that these excess savings are starting to be depleted. And that is why we expect U.S. growth to fall to below 1% this year. So the year overall should see a slowdown in real growth. And we also expect political uncertainty to pick up as well, because as we have seen in our research, Uncertainty tends to rise in the months ahead of a U.S. election and normally peaks around the month of November. Got it. Interesting. And I imagine this call for growth to slow down in addition to inflation having fallen is the reason for why markets are pricing in major rate cuts from central banks? In a nutshell, yes. Uh, I would say central banks have broadly signaled a pivot from their tight monetary policy in response to, as you said, firstly, softer economic growth. And then secondly, inflation having fallen significantly over the last 6 to 12 months. It is interesting and I would say important to note that markets are pretty much pricing in the same policy path for the Fed, for the ECB, the Bank of England and for the Bank of Canada with little to no deviation between them. And I think that this will have to change um, over the coming months as the different regional outlooks just justify different pricing for the respective banks. And markets did cut back their expectation of policy easing slightly, I would say, in recent weeks. But investors still expect the, the Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of England, these G3 central banks, to cut interest rates by around 600 basis points over the next 24 months. And this has been a major driver of the global equity rally um, that pushed both US and German stock markets to new all-time highs back in December. Do you think this optimism is justified? Is there, is there something that could derail the consensus call of higher stocks and a lower dollar? You already mentioned China and geopolitics and the tensions there. Are, are these the two most important themes to watch out for in your view? I think I would add the risks of a reflationary and hard landing scenario to the China and geopolitical risk. Um, because last year has clearly been one of disinflation, right? And with growth remaining robust in the US, this pushed a soft landing narrative back in the spotlight of the media and back into market pricing. So starting from this baseline that is already expected, I would say any deviation from this scenario will cause volatility. And the three most important risks for us to be aware of 
are, again, that inflation starts trending higher, as some leading indicators are already suggesting, that U.S. growth underperforms expectations, or thirdly, that geopolitical tensions flare up amidst all these elections coming up in 2024. And because of this uncertainty and these kind of three big factors that are really hard to price in, um, that is the reason for why, for example, our Euro USD forecast for 2024 ranges from 105 to 115, just dependent on the probabilities of these events um, occurring. Got it. Got it. Well, thanks, Boris. That was a great breakdown. Thank you for the recap. We're looking forward to all the news in the coming weeks, which we'll break down with you in a couple weeks from today. Thank you again for coming on. Thanks, Alex. Pleasure to be here. 